everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Glad you made it. Glad you're, you're, you're here. Uh, we're excited to continue our series on same or city. We don't have slides today, so we're going to go with city. But our series on same God and the reason why we're doing this series, and I hope that you recognize it, is because there are things that we grew up hearing about God. There are th- stories that we grew up hearing about God. Maybe you yourself have heard about God, events that he did in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when you hear this stuff, it kind of sounds like they're made up. They kind of sound like there's no way that that actually happened. There's no way that God did that. And so because that's how we sometimes view God, we put him on this box. And so when we talk about what God can do in your life, what God can do today in America and all over the world, then it is hard for us to put that into place because we already put God in a box and we think that those things that he has done are things of the past, they're stories, they're uh, fairy tales, and, and so we kind of distance ourselves from that. For this reason, we started doing this series called Same God because we want, us to, we want everybody of us or everyone here to understand that the same God that worked in those ways in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same God that is at work today. Why is that crucial for you and I to understand? If you're honest, and if I'm honest, and, and here's the thing, let me put a little disclaimer. We often look at you guys as, as your age group, as someone that, like, you're not there yet in the sense of maturity. We will look at you and try to, like, sugarcoat things for you. We can tend to, like, make things more simple, make things more easy, and, and, and in doing so, disregarding how smart you actually are, how understanding you are of your society. In fact, I would say your generation is unique in that your generation, Generation Z, is one of those generations that is vocal from the moment that they are in high school and even before high school. When I was growing up, we didn't really care, and I'm not that old. We, we didn't really care about what was happening around us. So long as I had a Nintendo 64, so long as I had a way to go to ba- play baseball, I did not care if the world around me was falling apart. But that is not the case for your generation. Your generation is filled with advocates, people that want to see a change in the world. You see it in your school, you see it in your friend group, and you see it all over the world. You see, your generation is capable of seeing things that are happening right now. Things that are happening in a way that were not supposed to happen. Think about those of you that want change because of abortion. You see, the, you see what's happening with abortion and you want something there to happen. And so from even the high school, you have individuals that are so vocal that they're willing to go out and to, and to grab signs, to put t-shirts, and to be an advocate for the unborn. You think about racial issues, how they are in you, within your age group. There are, they are those that are so uh, proponents that, they're, that they see the need for justice and they're willing to go out and to do whatever it takes to make sure that people recognize that racial issues are not, or that, or that racism is not acceptable. And so your generation is capable of recognizing things that are not going the way that they're supposed to go. You guys are capable of doing that. And we often ignore that or we try to sugarcoat that. I don't want to do that today. I know that if you're a Christian 
If you, at some point in your life, you say, yes, I believe that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me, for my sins, for my mistakes, for my struggles, and I believe in that, and I, and I believe that he rose from the dead, and you believe in that message, then you're a Christian. If you are a Christian, I know that you know that this world is not okay. I know that the things that you're experiencing in your schools are not okay. What you're seeing, how people are depressed, how people are searching for something more and they're not finding it, how people are dealing with mental health, how people are dealing with all of these different things that you can tell that something is off. You can tell that. You're capable of doing that. My challenge and the reason for this series is for us to realize that just as things are happening right now, just as now things are so in need of change to happen, just like right now there is a necessity for people to step up and to make a difference, that the same God that utilized individuals that were willing to step up in the Old Testament and the New Testament, he is the same God that is willing to utilize individuals that today and every day are willing to step up and make a difference. You guys see the need. You guys can real recognize that there is a struggle, that there is a problem, and you guys can know, and the, whole, and the goal of the series is to know that the same God that used those individuals can use you to make a difference in your school, in your homes, in your community, and even in your friends group. And so for that reason, we're going to be doing, we're going to be going in the book of Gideon, or not in the book of Gideon, we're going to be studying the life of Gideon, which is in the book of Judges. So if you go to Judges, that's what we're going to be doing today. Unfortunately, we don't have slides. I am not good at making slides. I attempted last time, and it did not go well. And so, uh, no slides. You're going to have to just pull over your phones or whatever, or look at the same God thing. But Gideon, when you think about the Bible, when you think about all of these great characters, maybe you already heard the story of Gideon, but when you think about all of these great characters or all, all of these great events and, and individuals that God used, we often only know the things that they did. We know of Moses, how God used him in, 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 in to open the sea in, in, in two ways, how God used Moses to deliberate or to, or to uh, yeah, delivery, deliver or to freedom, nailed it, uh, the nation of Egypt, to, or the nation of Israel from the nation of Egypt. You know of Noah, or how Noah created an ark, and God used Noah to make this great thing. You know Jonah, how Jonah went out and, and shared the gospel and shared the news of God, and, and people got saved in Nineveh. And we know all of these events, but often we forget and we don't remember the origin stories. What took place at the beginning of those moments? What was the thing that steered in their hearts the necessity to do something? When you think about Marvel or DC, I don't know where you land on those things. When you think about most of those characters, when you see in the, in the movies right now, what most of them are doing is that when, in, when they are introducing a new character, for you to understand the character, they, do, they spend a certain amount of time, often even a whole movie, to introduce the character, their story, where did they came from, what was that is steered within them to make a change. And so today, that's where we're going to be looking with Gideon. Gideon was an individual that did something great for God. In the context, is in the books of Judges. 
Now, Judges is interesting because Judges is very similar to what's going on right now, where you have a generation, you have a, you have a, 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 a nation that just came out out of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? It just came out out of uh, the abuse of the Egyptians, and you have Moses, who was the leader. Moses led them out of the land of Egypt into the, the promised land. Before he got to the promised land, he dies, and they raise a new leader, and his name is Joshua. Joshua, the one that God said to him, for I will be with you do not be afraid do not be do not be discouraged and i'm gonna go with you and with you we're gonna take this land that is that i have given to you and that's the land of the giants he sends spies and they tell them no there are giants there let's not go in there and then he still goes and they take the lion and now they're in the land and joshua dies so what happens with this nation of israel now you have individuals there we're told from the very get-go that once joshua died the generation of Israel did what was evil before God. You would have thought that by then they would have had a great idea of who God was. They would have appreciated who God was. And yet they did what opposes God. So God, in his grace, will raise a judge. And now when, you say, when they use judge, it's not in the sense of like an attorney and going to a law or to a, a trial and you have a judge sitting on the stage. That's not what it meant. It meant more like, more like a general, like a military leader that was to deliver the people. And so what would happen, it was this ending, not, never ending circle where you have the nation of God doing what was evil before God. And then it will go to God will then let them loose and they will oppress them because of their disobedience. And then the people of God will claim or cry out to God for help. And so then God will send a judge to deliver them and the the people will rejoice. But instead of stopping there, we're told in the next chapter, they were back here. And this was this never-ending circle of God, of the people of God rebelling against God, God sending them punishment, they asking for help, God helping them, and then they're back at it again. And this was the cycle that they were going. The reason why this is important is because it is the same thing that we do today. And maybe even in your personal life, you can agree to this, that there are things in your life that you have done that you know that they're not right. Things about God that you know that they're not right, and yet you do them, you messed up, you see, you find yourself in the pit, you find yourself dealing with the consequence of your mistakes. You claim, you ask God for forgiveness. You ask God, help me out. He shows you his grace to you. He helps you out. You overcome that, and you're back at it again right away. And so this is important for us to recognize because this is the culture that we live in right now, a culture that is depraved, that is constantly doing what opposes God, that is doing things that are not glorifying for God. And so just as this culture back then is, is like our culture today, it is of necessity for individuals to stand up and to want to make a difference. It is necessary for people to get up and to want to make a difference. If no one gets up and make a difference, then there's no way for us to see what's going to happen. And so we're going to look at Gideon and his origin story as he was someone that God will use to make a difference. In the book of Judges, chapter 6, we're going to talk, I'm, I'm going to skip a few verses, but we're going to start in verse 11. Up to this point, we're told how the, God, the nation, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and how the Lord gave them into the hands of their enemy, which their name was the Median. And in this context, we have Gideon who is working the land. And one of the things that this nation was doing is that he was stealing their, their food, their provisions, and all of those things. So verse 11. 
Now the angel, the angel of the Lord came and said unto the Therabith at Ophrah, Ophrah Winfrey, which belonged to Joash the Asbirites, while his sons Gideon was beating out with in the windsprings to hide it from the Midianites. So from the Gago, we're told while they're here, these this Midianites, these this enemies of the nation of Israel, what they were known for is that they were come and take all of the provision and all of the things from the nation of Israel. And then you have Gideon who is taking us, who's aware of what's going on he knows what's happening he knows that he's under oppression and he's doing what he needs to do to make sure that the people that his provision or his crop were not being taken away so he's trying to protect them verse, verse 12 and the angel the angel of the lord appeared to him to him and said the lord is with you O mighty men of valor and Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? You see this interaction? Don't, don't put yourself in the story with me. You have this angel of the Lord appears to this man. And the thing that he used to describe this man is that, oh, Gideon, you men of valor. You, Gideon, you men of valor. You are a mighty man. You men of valor. And then Gideon's response to this claim is like, well, if God is really for us, then why are we going through all of this? Why are all of these things happening? And you'll see that one of the things that keep people from serving God and from making a difference is that hesitancy to see, man, there's a lot of things going around here. Why should I even care to do something for God? What's the difference? What, am, what difference am I going to make? And you see here that in his questioning is not something that you, it's similar to what you and I will do or have done at some point. And so he says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful this that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. In his interaction with this angel, he's saying, you're saying to me, that the Lord is with us, then why are we going through all that we're going through? Where are all those wonderful things that our parents used to say about how great God was, how he delivered us from the nation of Egypt? Maybe you have found yourself in a similar position with your parents. If you, are, if you grew up in a family where both parents or a set of parents was Christian, and you grew up hearing about God, and, and maybe you have grown up and hear all of these great things about God, but you have not seen it on your own life yet. And you may have asked yourself, where is this great God? I haven't experienced this as my parents did. Where is he? All I'm experiencing is trouble, hardship, loneliness, but no one gets me. And so in his argument, he's saying to this in verse 14, and the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save the land of Israel? So in his argument, the angel said, Hey, you're going to go in with this might of you because you are a man of mighty valor. You're going to go out and you're going to save the nation of Israel. And the guy's like, Nah, I'm not doing that. Like, how am I possibly going to do this? And then he continues to say in verse 15, and he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the wickedest of the Mananites. 
Menanish nailed it. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it's you who speak with me. Please do not depart from me here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So in his interaction, he does not believe this angel. He does not believe that the angel is calling him to, make, to, make, to, do, to do something, to stand up and to make a difference. In his argument here, in his interaction, he's saying, hey, if you're truly God, if you're truly being sent out by God, then show me a sign. Show me that you indeed can use me. Show me that you can use me to make a difference for the nation of Israel. Have you ever felt like that? Or maybe have you ever done that to God? Where you have see a need in your school, see a need in your friend group, see a need in your family, and you want to do something about that, but that there's that part of you that keeps you from doing that. And then you're asking yourself and you're praying to God, God, if you really want me to do something about this, then show me. And so this is what Gideon does. He asks God that, and then he goes and does and and and, and goes and gets depressed in verse 19. So Gideon went out into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from the ephod of flour, the meat he put in the basket, and the broth that he put in a pot, and brought them to him under the, re- the, the terabith and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff of the staff that he was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cake. And fire sprung from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. That's kind of crazy. So Gideon, to, to, to ask this angel, show me that you're really sent out by God. He goes, he grabs this piece of bread or cake or bread, and then he goes out and grabs this meat, and then he puts it on this rock, and he says, and, and, and all he does is put it there, and the angel goes with the tip of his spear, he touches, and fire consumes, and then the angels disappear. What a sight. I mean, if you're there and that happened right in front of you, you know, that's, that's not, yeah, that's not, what is that, a crazy angel? No, that's not crazy angel or David Blaine. You guys, are, you guys know who crazy angel is? There's your hand if you know who crazy angel is. Man, uh, David Blaine. Okay, all right, all right. So some magicians, come on, guys. Watch YouTube besides video games. Come on. You got to get on YouTube and see other things. Uh, so you have, so, so anyways, this happens here. And then Gideon perceived, and, and, and don't miss this, verse 22. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He was so in shock of what he saw that he thought that it was his time to die. He thought that in that moment his life has come to an end and his claim is, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And so the angel says to him, but the Lord said to him, Peace, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace to this day still standing as Alfred Winfrey, which belongs to the Asbirites. And so why do we take the time to share this story right here? Because this is something that is crucial for us to understand about someone called Gideon. Now, later down the road, we're going to find out what Gideon did. But it is important for us to recognize where it all started. This was a man 
that was already a leader of a, cool, of a group of, 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 a, of a, thrive, a tribe. He was a leader. He was considered to be a judge, which meant he was militarily capable. He had the ability within his hands to be able to make a difference. And he sees the needs of the country, the fact that the Midianites, this enemy of Israel, were oppressing his people. He recognized that to the point that he goes out and he's tent to his land and he's protecting his crop so that no one will steal it. So he knows the need. Then he knows that not something needs to happen. And when someone approached him, and for him it was the angel of the Lord that approaches him and says to him, Gideon, it is time for you, you mighty men of valor, for you to step up and to make a difference. Our guy did not quickly get up and say, yeah, I'm ready, send me. Here I am, send me. Instead, he was skeptical. He was apprehensive. He was not willing to take that initiative to make a difference. And he, he may even self-doubt himself. He even talks about how he is part of the weakest clan or thrive or thrive in the whole nation of Israel. You see, skepticism, self-doubts are always handicapped of what we can do for God. Skepticism and self-doubts will always handicap us from doing what we must do. It would always do. And here's what's hard about this. You live, we live in a culture, in a country, in a society that is constantly feeling, feeling you and me with self-doubts. Doubts about yourself. Doubts about your value. Doubts about what you're capable. It also fills us with the lies of skepticism. Is it true that God can do that? Is it truth that God can use an individual like you to make a difference in your school? Is it true that someone can raise up someone from this school, this class, this church, so that everyone there can do something for his glory? And we're filled with skepticism. And here's what happened. Skepticism and self-doubts are like a cancerous cell to the faith, to the Christian faith. And think about this. Cancer cells, they are found in tumors. And cancer cells, they spread out throughout. They detach from the tumor and they spread out to the, out the entire body to the point that it contaminates the body. And now the whole body is sick. The best way to deal with that is to strip it. That's why individuals get surgery done so that they can get those things out so that before they spread out. That's what self-doubt and skepticism does to the Christian faith, to your faith, to my faith. That there are things within you that God is steering within you, that you know that there are things that you need to change. You see, we, make, we often make excuses for you as pastors where we go and tell you and we try to appeal to you to recognize the things that you need to step up and make a difference. The reality is you know. The Holy Spirit lives within you. God himself lives within you. And the God, the Holy Spirit, needs no pastor. It needs nothing else than himself to show you that there are things within you, that there are things around you that are not okay. That there are things around you that needs to change. That you need to make a difference. The Holy Spirit is the thing that within you is stirring you up. But then skepticism, skepticism, self-doubts. They put you in a position where they don't want you to hear the, the guiding or see the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like water 
tending that water to the fire that the, that the, the Holy Spirit is trying to start within you. It kills that faith. It fills you with lies to tell you that you are not capable of doing things for God. It fills you with lies that tells you that the chains around you, you cannot fix that. That you are not someone that God can utilize to make a difference. And this is precisely what's happening here with Gideon. And here's why it's so hard. Because the true skepticism and self-doubts are generally, if not always, built on truth. The reality is, you and I will never, hear this out. You need to hear this out. You and I will never achieve anything of value, of purpose, of lasting, apart from God. We will never do that. We will never be able to do something so lasting, so powerful, so life transforming apart from God using me and you. We will never do that. This society and this world that we live in is constantly telling you that you can achieve those things apart from God. And so when you fall short of doing those things, then skepticism and self-doubt continue to be built on truth to the point that it handicaps you from doing the very thing that God wants you to do. Why should you step up in your school and share the gospel with that friend of yours that you know, you know very well that desperately needs the gospel? Why should you say something to them is what your skepticism and your self-doubt will say. He's never going to listen. She will never listen. They'll make fun of you. God cannot use you. You can't even talk. You're from the Dominican Republic. Look at you, man. You're bold. Why would God even, why would God, and you allow those self-doubting and, and, and those skepticism to keep you from doing the very thing that God has called you to do. And this is why Gideon is a perfect example of an individual that may find himself in a stage of, in a, that it's in the, the perfect example of an individual that you may find yourself being right now, in a stage of life right now. Where there are things that you need to do, things that you recognize, change that need to happen. Here in this youth group, or here in this church, at Lake Center, at Green, Lake, Springfield. No one here goes to Coventry. Do anybody go to Coventry? Yeah, sorry. RIP. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Whatever school you go to, your family, your friend group, that there are things that need to happen, and you're not doing it. Because of a skepticism and self-doubts. And yet you had Gideon, who will be someone that God will use in a mighty way. Gideon, and we're not going to read it, as his story continues to develop, God will say to Gideon, hey Gideon, I'm going to show you how powerful and amazing, I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to show you how powerful and amazing I am. That I want you to go out and I want you to select a few, a group of men that are willing to take up arms and to go out and to defend the nation of Israel and to liberate them from the oppression of our enemies. And so Gideon gets up and he does kind of like a drafting process. God says to them, hey, whoever 
grab all of these men and send them to this lake or this, or this uh, uh, body of water. And whoever is, kneels down and with their hands they, or kneels down and drink from that lake, do not use them. But anyone that grabs the water and brings them up, then you use them. And it came about that it was 300 men. Only 300 men. And, and not, not the movie 300 by, by Butler, Kurt, whatever his name is. But 300 men that God was going to use with Gideon to deliver it, to, to free them from this oppressing, oppressing nation. A nation that had an army of 120,000 at least. 300. And to make it even more great, we're told in the story that God is going to say to Gideon, Gideon, just so that they know who is sending you, just so that they know who I am, you're going to go to face those 120,000-something leaders or, or, military, or, or enemies, and all you're going to carry is a trumpet in one hand and then uh, 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 like a bucket in your right hand, and inside that bucket you're going to, ha- you're going to have a, fi- a fire torch. That is what you're going to use to destroy this army. 300 men, not one sword. Trumpet in one hand, a thing of clay with a third, a fire torch within it. And this is what God was going to use to deliver his nation. And so as the story continued to develop, the thing that they told, God told them to do was to drop the clay and to let the fire loose and to sound the trumpet. And the noise was so chaotic and so crazy that this army felt that they were being oppressed or being attacked by another army or a greater army to the point that they themselves pick up their swords and start killing themselves. The same army having friendly sorting, not fire, friendly fire or whatever you call it, killing each other. This is what they did. Now, it may not mean much to us today because we're not living in that kind of world, but for them, this was proof of the power and deliverance of God. The same God that over and over has been showing his grace to them, that over and over has been continued to raise leaders to make a difference. We see in this story how he's going to use Gideon once again, 300 men holding trumpets and a a thing of clay with a fire within to deliver this army of 120,000 people. How could Gideon possibly do something great like that? But it took for him to step aside of his skepticism, his self-doubts, and to step up and to do the very thing that God has called him to do. The same God that worked with Gideon is the same God that works in your life today. It is the same God. We're told told in Ephesians 2.10, and this is powerful. We're told it says, Speaking to Christians, so if you're here and you're a Christian, this is what he was writing to someone like you. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God created you. The moment you believe in the message of Jesus, you are now being created. You are a new creation. And part of your new creation, part of it is that you now have to do good works. You're capable. There is no need for self-doubt or skepticism. Those things have been removed. Those things have been nailed to the cross. You are capable. It is in your design through the power of the Holy Spirit within you for you to be able to do good works. And then he continues and says, which God's prepared beforehand that we should walk on them. 
Don't miss that. When you believe in Jesus, you have been created, new creation, to do good works. And not only you being able to do good works, these works have been created, they have been predestined, they've been laid out for you to, to do before you were ever born. And all you had to do is to step up and to do what you need to do to make a difference. Recognizing that the same God that worked all over the Bible is the same God that can work in your life today and every day. You're going to find out later today that there's going to be some changes in the high school and in the student ministry. One of them being that I will be stepping down from the high school role as of January. And you're going to find that out. It is my desire and my hope and my dream that despite of all that, that if there's one thing that can be said of this year group, is that every single one of you, those of you that believe in this message, you are willing to make a difference regardless of where you are at. Whether you're still here at Maranatha, whether you graduate from high school, wherever you are, that you will recognize that there is something that you can do. You know that there are things that need to happen. And that you will be willing to put aside your skepticism, your self-doubt, until you actually say, here I am, God, use me. Knowing that the Holy Spirit that is within you will empower you and will give you everything that you need to be able to do the good works that were created with you in the moment that you believe in the gospel of Jesus. That if there was ever an origin story about your life, that if there was ever a movie made about your life, each of your life, that we could see that there was a time there where God stirred within you the necessity to, test, to step up and that you were willing to make a difference, that you didn't push it aside, that you didn't disregard it. What are you going to let God do through you for his glory? And how long, if you could look at me, how long are you going to put off what God wants you to do because of a skepticism and self-doubts? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to be here at church. Father, that we would remind them that the same God that works, that worked in, in the life of Gideon, in the life of all, the, all of these great characters that we see in the Bible, Lord, that, is the same, that you're the same God that is at work today. And Father, I pray that we will not forget that that we will be reminded that you can still use broken people, people with self-doubt, people with skepticism, that you can still use us to do great things for you, Lord. And I pray for this year group, that as they know the things that they need to do, Lord, that they will be willing, that they will be bold, and that they will be committed to do whatever it takes to make a difference, recognizing, Lord, that who you are, recognizing that in the moment that they believe in your son, Jesus, that you empower them with the Holy Spirit, to be able to do good works, works that you have laid down from before the foundation of the world, works so that they can walk in them, Lord, to make a difference for you and for your glory, Lord. And Father, I pray that they will 
be no one here in this room that would just stand ill, that they will get so chill and so calm and that they will be so uh, casual about their face, but that you will stir within them the necessity to step up and to make a change for your glory. Father, I pray this in your name. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming. Good morning and city.